Well, thank the Lord for his blessings today. And uh, if you know for sure that your name is written there, what a blessing. In fact, that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. We'll be talking about the things which the Christian is saved from. The thing in which the Christians are saved from. And tonight's message, after the missionaries come and share a few things, we're going to be uh, speaking about the Christian and what they've been saved to. The Christian and what they've been saved to. And so I want you to take the Word of God this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to be looking at several different scriptures this morning throughout the lesson. Some we'll have you to turn to and some not. Ephesians chapter 2. And you can remain seated this morning at the reading of the word of the Lord. Beginning in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 2, the word of God states, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us, or through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Father, as we come and approach your throne of grace, we are blessed and thankful for the providence that brings us here. Lord, as is evidenced in your word, we are not to forsake this place. Lord, as we gather together here today, we pray that we can look to you, that we can put our faith and our trust in you and honor you. And then, Father, I pray today, if there's a person in the building, young or old, Lord, that is not sure today that they're going to heaven lord that they do not know for sure that where their life is going to take them i pray god that this day might be the day that they would get saved lord just turn their heart and their life over to you and live for you these things now we ask in jesus name for his sake alone amen again i want to speak to you on this subject of what the christian is saved from um, i was 15 and a half years old when i was saved I don't know what age that you were when you got saved, and if you are not saved, uh, then you don't have that date to remind you of. It was a Sunday morning. I remember what the preacher preached on. Um, there's no doubt in my thoughts or mind, the, the songs that were played, uh, the people that raised their hand and said amen throughout the services. I remember all those things. And God recorded that day and time. I remember what I wore that day. I had a solid blue tie on that my best friend had given me, and it had my initial TSY on the bottom of it. When I went home that day, I went home dreaming about going to heaven. I couldn't wait to tell people that I had been saved that day. I couldn't wait to get to school and tell my schoolmates that I had been saved. I couldn't wait to tell my family, uh, my grandparents, I couldn't wait to tell them. 
I wanted to make sure that everybody I come in contact with knew that I had been saved. And I thought they would all be excited about that. But I found as I began to tell people about my salvation that many people did not understand it. They questioned it and they said, what have you been saved from? Well, that brings me to my thoughts and my message this morning. Little did I understand at that time when God saved me what my life would later on entail. To be saved. To be saved is an amazing thing. To be saved and know for sure that you're on your way to heaven is something that every one of us can know, but yet sometimes in our world very few people really know that and understand it. I knew that I had been saved from hell. I knew I wasn't going to have to die and go to hell. I knew that when Jesus Christ came back, if I was living at that time, that I would not be left here on this earth. I knew that I would be going home to, with Him in heaven. But as far as doctrinal issues or other things, I did not know that much at that time. And as I began to learn these things and began to hear what the Sunday school teacher was actually saying, hear what the message from the preacher each Sunday and Wednesday night was actually saying to us, it began to fill my heart with joy. Joy and an excitement that one day I would go to heaven. One day that I would stand with our Lord and be in uh, walking on those streets of gold and enjoying all the pleasures there for all eternity. But I realized that there was a time in my life that there's a space between this unless God came back that next day. And I do remember, I've shared this with you before, that uh, when we were driving home that Sunday morning after church, I remember looking up in the sky and it was a cloudy day. And I wondered which one of those clouds Christ was going to come back on that day. I believed it so much and I trusted God so much that I had no doubt in my salvation. I had no doubt that Christ was going to come back. And every single day since that time I've looked up and wondered if this will be the day. So I think of things. I, I'm one of these people who think a lot. Now I might not think about much, but I think a lot about a little. You know. I don't know about yourselves, but I'm a thinker. And sometimes when I'm sitting and I'm quiet and I'm by myself, I'm thinking about heaven, I'm thinking about the Lord, I'm thinking about the things that God wants us to do here on this earth. I think about you, I think about your lives, I think about the things that, that you come into each and every day, that the things that the devil crosses your path and the things that God allows to cross your path. I think about how you're doing in that. I wonder if you're succeeding in your Christian life. I, I wonder if you're not succeeding. I think of all those things, and I, then I think about the joy. The joy that if we are saved, I think about the joy that if we're saved and we know for sure that we're going to heaven, that all the things that we think about here on this earth really doesn't mean anything if we have that joy. So what is being saved, what does it really mean? And what does it mean to be saved from something? Well, I'm going to try today, and it's my desire and my joy to try to help you to understand today what you and I have been saved from. And some of you that may be lost in this service today, that might help you to understand why it's so important that we are saved. First of all today, I want to introduce you to the fact that we have been saved from the law. 
We've been saved from the law. You say, preacher, was the law running after you? <laughs> no, <laughs> the law wasn't running after me. There was not that man running after me with that big old blue light flashing. Not that type of law. I'm talking about the law of God. And we've been saved from the law of God. God gave the people of Israel the law. A list of standards by which they were supposed to live their lives by. And you and I still have those same standards that we're supposed to live our life by. So we still have the law. The law is still applied to our lives and should still be applied to our lives. But what we have been saved from, dear friends, is the fact that the law could not save us. The law could not make us perfect. Before I was saved, God was convicting me of my sins. And every single day I was trying my best to not sin. I was doing everything I could not to sin, not to say anything wrong, not to do anything wrong. And at the end of every day, I always came back to the end result that I had failed and I had sinned anyway. And I began to realize then that nothing I could do would get me to the point where I could truly be saved and truly be right and go, go to heaven. And then I got to thinking about what the preacher had been uh, preaching about. And, and my pastor, he loved to preach. He was a preaching man. And when he would preach, he would share the Word of God with us. And, and as he shared the Word of God, those things did sink in. And I began to listen to what he was saying and remember the things that he was saying too. Then I remembered a verse that he mentioned over in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. And I want you to turn there with me today. Galatians chapter 3. And let's look over at verse 10. Notice what he says here. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Basically what he was saying to us in this scripture is that we are to still keep the law, but we are not saved by the law. And so as hard as I had been trying to keep the law, to keep things right, to, to be right, to stay right, again I realized that, and then I realized that it wasn't just me that knew that, it was also the pastor, and that's what he had been trying to help us to understand, that the law didn't save us, that we could not keep ourselves clean enough and pure enough, no matter what we did, no matter who we were, no matter what family we came from, we could not get ourselves to a point where we could truly be ready to walk into heaven and be clean and pure. The only one that could do that would be through Jesus Christ. Now what the law does is the law reveals sin in our life. And I guess that's one reason why I was trying my best to keep the law because as I kept the law, every single time I did that, God revealed unto me something that I had done wrong. And I would go to God and I would tell God that I was sorry for doing that. But let me share something with you today, dear friends. Remorse is not the same as repentance. We can be sorry for the things that we do unto God and still die and go to hell. We must repent of our sins and get those things put under the blood or you and I will never be able to see a holy, righteous God say, enter in. He'll tell us to depart. And so we have, as a child of God, we have been saved from the law, but yet the law is still applied to our life because it reveals the sin that is within our lives. 
1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 tells us, he says, For sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, it's the breaking of that law. It's the, the, the snapping it in two, if you will. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 19 and also in verse 20, he says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what does the law do for us then? It brings the knowledge of sin to us. The law does not save us. It cannot save us. But the law brings the knowledge of sin. How many of you know today that you're a sinner? Every hand ought to be going up across this congregation. Because all of us are sinners. You're either a sinner that is lost or a sinner that's been saved by grace. And if we today acknowledge the fact that we're sinners, then you must realize then that that sin that we commit and we continue to commit must still be purged. It still must be put under the blood. And what does it tell us? What does it, it share with us? How does that come into our lives? Is the fact that that sin then, the law reveals that to us. And when we read this book right here, this book is the law and it reveals to us our sins and shares with us the things that we've done wrong Conviction comes into our life, not something that we can be sorry for, but something that we can repent of. And what is repentance, preacher? Well, repentance is walking to that wall and turning around and walking the other direction and never going back that direction again. When we repent of our sins, we are changing the direction of our life. We're changing the direction of things that we do in our life, the things that we think in our life. That's why God tells us also over in the New Testament that we should not commit sins by habit or habitual sins because when we get saved, those sins are put under the blood. We've moved away from that. The sin is, is, is removed as far as the east is from the west for us and we should not continue to commit those same sins over and over and over again. Our habits are changed. Our thought patterns are changed. And we know this. We know it because we've heard it, we've read it, we've studied it. And we also know something else. As I mentioned a while ago, it's impossible for us to keep every single law, isn't it? You see, that's why the Pharisees had such a problem because even them, as they would dress and, and look very religious on the outside, even those Pharisees in their own hearts had sinned against God. And it was so hard for them to accept this when Jesus told them that they were a generation of vipers. And so we sometimes will dress religiously. We sometimes will comb our hair in a religious way, if you will. We sometimes will walk with our head upright and act that though we're Christians and we, we love to do that when we come to church. But on Sundays, are we the same Christian on Mondays as we are on Sundays? Are we the same Christians on, on Tuesday and on Friday and on Saturday and when you go on vacation? Are you the same Christian there that you are here in the house of God on Sundays? You see, again, we go back to this thought that these sins that we commit, they're forgiven, they're put under the blood. But if we continue to do that, we can look good on Sundays, but on Monday if we're still sinning, then what have we accomplished? 
You see, God tells us that we've been saved from that. I don't have to go back to that again. We also find not only are we saved from the curse of the law, but we're saved from the wrath to come. I'm going to tell you something, dear friends. There is a judgment day coming on this earth. And that judgment day is coming swifter now than it ever has been. We're saved from the wrath to come. Take your Bible and turn with us to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans chapter 5, let's look down to verse 9. Verse 9 states, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You see, we've been saved from the wrath that is going to come upon this earth. The Bible teaches us that there is going to be seven years of tribulation period. The church, if you're saved and you're part of that church, if you are saved, the church will be raptured out at the beginning of the the tribulation period. And then during that tribulation period, there's a three and a half year breakdown of it. The first three and a half years are going to be hard, but they're not going to be hard as the last three and a half years. In the last three and a half years, this world will basically be destroyed. You think things are bad now with bombings in this place, shootings in this place, knifings in that place. It will be that every single day, everywhere, in your backyard, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. In fact, you might not even be able to work because you won't be able to buy anything. You won't even be able to go to work. And you'll still have to pay. Judgments and wrath is coming to this world. For all the sin that is out there in our world today. I want to share something with you. God loves you, but God is angry today. God is angry at sin. He's angry at the sin that that people commit on a daily basis. And sometimes even those Christians that, that say that they love God will still go out and commit those sins habitually. God's angry at that. Can you think about when you go through your daily walk the things that you do each day, the things that you think about, can you think in this moment, is there anything that God could get angry with me about? Is there anything that I've said or done this day or that I'm saying or doing this day that God could be angry with me about? And I think if we answered honestly, all of us could say, yes, there is. God is angry, but God loves you, doesn't he? Preacher, how could this God who loves me be angry at me at the same time? How many of you have children? (laughs) Do you love your children? Have you ever gotten angry at them? (laughs) Sure enough. My wife used to say, I I get so mad sometimes I could just pinch their little heads off. (laughs) Now, she never did because they still have heads. But anyway, sometimes I wonder if they have a head right. But anyway... (laughs) God's going to judge sin just like you as a parent judge your children for the things that they did wrong. And if you didn't care, you just let your kids go on and do whatever they wanted to do, you know. And sadly enough, in our world, that's happening. It's happening in some of our fundamental Baptist churches today. It's happening where parents don't care really what their kids are doing. They don't care what they're saying, what they're, what they're looking at on their phones, what, they're, what video games they're playing, and how heinous the video games are, what it's teaching them. 
In fact, the television and, and, and Game Boys and all those other things that I don't even know the names of, they're having more attention to them at home than mom and dad. Remember, well, I don't know if you remember it or not, but when I was growing up, at supper time, we sat around the table and talked about things. Amen. How was your day? What did you learn in school today? Didn't learn a thing. <laughs> I'm evidence of that as I stand before you. <laughs> no wonder God gets angry at us. And I believe God is really angry right now. As he looks upon this world and he sees the terrible things that our world has become. The terrible things that our churches allow in our churches. You see, folks, there is, there, there is this place called church that we're to come and worship God in. But this building is just four walls. You, as part of the body of Christ, if you've been saved, you're still that church. And when you walk out these doors, church goes with you. That's why it's so important to, for us today to make sure that wherever we go, we have the same testimony outside this church as we have on the inside of this church. I used to work on a lumber yard and grade lumber. And I worked for, actually, for a little while. I graded lumber for one of our church members who uh, owned a lumber mill and a sawmill. And on Sunday, he would walk in that church. He would be dressed and suited as fine as you could be, you know. And he was a tall, slender gentleman. And, and he would walk in there and you would think that he was the best Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. And the very first day that I worked for him on that sawmill, we was on the, on the chain of that sawmill and pulling lumber off that sawmill. And I heard him cuss worse than a sailor. And I thought to myself, Oh, so you're one of those Sunday Christians, aren't you? Well, it got so bad that honestly I quit working for him because I couldn't put up with it. And I talked to him about it, and it wasn't long after that that he quit coming to church. You see, if you quit coming to church because the pastor says something to you about sin that he sees you in, which is my job, that is what I'm supposed to do, dear friends. But if you quit coming to church because of that, then that tells me something more about your salvation. It lets me know that maybe you truly aren't saved and you've been just making fun all these years. Sad commentary, isn't it? How sad. We're saved from the curse of the law. We're saved from the wrath to come. But we're also saved from the yoke. Now, what is a yoke? Some of you farmers understand what I'm talking about, but uh, there was, used to be a yoke, oxen, uh, in some areas of our country and in other countries. Uh, there's a yoke that is put over the oxen, and there are two wooden rings on the other side of that, and those oxen are led one way or the other by the yoke that is around their neck. In other words, you can only go where the person who has the reins is pulling you one way or the other. Salvation frees us from the yoke that the devil has around our neck. 
When the devil tells us to go this way or to go this way or to go forward or whoa, listen, dear friend, that yoke is broken once we get saved and we do not anymore have that yoke around our neck. We're free. The Bible says we're free agents today. We have an opportunity to do what we want to now. And that's exactly what a lot of Christians do. They go out and do what they want to and continue to commit sin and think that they're still saved and going to heaven to think that they're going to go to heaven and God's going to look at them and say, okay, well done. I'm sorry, dear friends, that's not the way it works with God. Now, yes, we've been freed from that bondage, that yoke, but, but there are other things that we have to look at in this. In Romans chapter 6, and maybe you're still there over in the book of Romans, let's... Uh, Turn over there again and read a couple of more verses there in Romans chapter 6. And let's look down to verse 19. Verse 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of, of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness he's asking them to get right with god he said your members he's talking about your body he says you've yielded those things to iniquity he goes on in verse 20 he says for when ye were the the servants of sin ye were free from righteousness in verse 21 he says what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed for the end of those things is death Again, the Bible tells us in another place, the wages of sin is death. And so today, you and I, we have had this yoke around us. We've been released of that. That bondage is not there anymore. <coughs> and because that bondage is no longer there, I'm free to obey God. I'm free to listen to Him now. It's not, I don't have the devil in my ear anymore saying, well, you don't need to go to church today. You don't need to go to church on Wednesday night. You don't need to go to church on Sunday night. They're just having that missionary there tonight, and you don't need to come back for that. Oh, they're just having a business meeting on Wednesday night. You don't need to be in church Wednesday night for that. Oh, they're just going to be taking the youth out, and we don't need to help with that. Oh, that whole week of vacation Bible school, the devil says, you know, there's going to be a bunch of mouthy, loud kids there, and you don't need to go there and be a part of that. Honestly, dear friends, when we get saved, we're saved from that ear that the devil tries to whisper in all the time. Now we should have the Lord speaking in both of our ears, teaching us and admonishing us, dear friends. And as we have that in our ears then, our thought pattern should be changed. Everything should be changed. We're saved from this yoke. You see, the devil, he's the great trickster. And he loves to enslave you and he loves to enslave your minds. A cruel and merciless taskmaster, taskmaster rather, is he. There was a slave who was freed. And once that slave was freed, he finally understood that he didn't have to go back to slavery. You see, we've never really physically understood what slavery is like. And I go back to the thoughts of slaves, not in our, necessarily in our country, but slaves all around our world today. 
You don't have to be a certain color to have had slavery in your background. None of us never understood because we were not there the pain and the detriment that had been brought to slaves all across this world. How they were belittled and how they were put down. I think of Hitler and I, I think of the war that Hitler was raging. It was not really necessarily against people. It was against the Jewish people. And this war that he raged against them, he would take Jews and, and not only would he kill them or confine them to these prison camps, but while he had them confined in these prison camps, he would take them while they were alive, lay them on the table, cut them open, take an organ out of their body and try to put it in someone else's body. They, while they were alive, he would do things to their brains and things. You say, preacher, he didn't do that. Yes, he did. I've seen documentation of it in the Jewish Museum in Israel. There are evil, evil things out there in our world today. And praise God, what we have been saved from is those evil things. And what a blessing it is to know the fact today that I don't have to die and go to hell because I've been saved from that. I don't have to worry about Hitler. I don't have to worry about somebody doing these evil, nasty things to me or my family because I've been saved from that. Also, we've been saved from the pollution of sin. Oh, we've kind of understood a little bit about pollution here recently, haven't we? With all the fires up in Canada. And we look outside and... And sometimes we couldn't even see the mountains up there or the trees in front of us because of the smoke. In fact, there were some days that the smoke was so bad, you could smell the smoke here in town. And Canada, where those fires are, are, are hundreds of miles, even thousands of miles away from us. And yet we could smell it. And that's the same way sin is sometimes. The pollution that it brings into our lives and the things... Scripture says, Be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. The song adapted that, that phrase and, and begins to use it. Sin is like a giant skunk. And when that giant skunk sprays you, you stink. Amen? I pastored in Mississippi and my wife had went to a little town. I think it was to pick the children up or do something at school. And when she was on her way back home from school, we had a purple Grand Am. Is that what it was? We had a purple Grand Am at that time. It wasn't very old. And she pulls into our driveway, and we had a carport there and a garage door that opened up. But on the way home, as she was driving, I guess, talking to the kids, trying to get them to be quiet or something, she looked ahead, and there was a skunk. My goodness, and she hit that thing. Lord have mercy. She didn't tell me that she had hit the skunk. So I'm home. I come out of my office, which is in the house there, and I walk into the kitchen, and I open the kitchen door as she's opening the door of the garage, and as she drives the car into that, the smell of that skunk, it invaded me. And not only did it invade me, it enveloped the kitchen. And then it moved on into the living room. And then it moved on into the bedrooms, and the entire house was invaded with skunk. Skunk stink, you know. I told her, I, I held up my hands at the, at the door of the kitchen, at the garage, and I said, whoa, whoa, back out, go. We didn't park that car in the garage for two and a half weeks after that. 
I tried everything I could to get that smell off. Th that evening we went, I think it was two or three car washes trying to get the smell off. And you know what? It was still there. It was inside the car. It was outside the car. We'd go to the house. It was still in the house. Couldn't get rid of it, you know. I mean, Febreze only works so long. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The stench. And I've thought about that over the years. That's exactly what God smells from us. The stench of sin. And it, you know, it talks about God and, and their life. He could, up in his nostrils. That's exactly what he's talking about, the stench of sin. And it gets in your nostrils and sometimes you can't get rid of it. You ever had a, a, a bad stink, you know, a bad smell and it gets gone or you get away from it, but it seems like it's still there in your nose, you know. And you can smell it for days afterwards. <laughs> I don't know if it's our mind telling us that, that it still stinks or if it actually is up our nose, you know. I must admit today that sin pollutes. I must admit that God smells it daily from us. And you cannot clean up on your own. You cannot get rid of it by yourself. Listen, you don't wait to get well to call the rescue squad, do you? You've got to come to Jesus as you are. There's a song that was written years ago. It's the song that is called Just As I Am. And I want to read something to you went back and looked at the history of this song and it goes like this just as I am is one of the few hymns for which we know not only the author's story but also the exact circumstances in which it was written Charlotte Elliot Brighton and she lived in England from 1789 to 1871 and she was born uh, or else right after her birth she became an invalid her life uh, was a testimony to the patience and endurance of suffering, not only physical but also emotional and spiritual. This was the context in which she wrote the hymn as her nephew, the Reverend uh, Hadley C.G. Mole, recounted it in 1897. And this is what he says about his, about his uh, aunt. But ill health still beset her. It often caused her the particular pain of a seeming uselessness in her life <clears throat> while the circle around her was full of unresting service ableness for God such a time of trial marked the year 1834 when she was 45 years old and living in Westfield Lodge Brighton England her brother then the Reverend H.V. Elliot had not long before uh, conceived the plan of St. Mary's Hall at Brighton a school designed to give, at nominal cost, a high education to the daughters of clergymen. In aid of St. Mary's Hall, there was to be held a bazaar. Westfield knowledge was all astir. Every member of the large circle was occupied morning and night in the preparations, with one exception, the Elling Miss Charlotte. As full of eager interest as many of them, but physically fit for nothing. The night before the bazaar, she was kept wakeful by distressing thoughts of her apparent uselessness, and these thoughts passed by, by a transition easy to imagine into a spiritual conflict. You ever had one of those where you just 
you just can't get anything right in your mind, it seems like. You feel like you're useless. You feel like there's nothing you can do. There's no one that can help you. That's how this woman felt. The next day, the busy day of the bazaar, she lay upon her sofa. The troubles of the night came back to her with such force that she felt they must be met and conquered by the grace of God. She gathered up in her soul the great certainties, not of her emotions, but of her salvation, her Lord, His power, His promise. Her father was a minister. His uh, friend was Caesar Milan, Dr. Caesar Milan. And Dr. Caesar Milan had came to the house and asked Charlotte on many occasions, do you know if you're going to heaven? Do you know if you die, you're going to heaven? And later on, she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. This, night, this day, rather, that the bazaar was about to happen, and as they now were going into the bazaar and get everything ready, instead of worrying now like she had done all night long about the bazaar, she thought about her salvation, and as she began to think about her salvation, she began to pin these words down, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of her mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, receive, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thy love unknown, has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am of free love, the breadth, length, depth, and height to prove, here for a season, then above, O Lamb of God, I come. Miss Elliot understood that we can't wait we can't wait to serve God. She had been thinking that she was useless for any work in the household. She was useless from the time she was born until the time that she's living here now at 45 years of age. And now she begins and she pins this down. And she, she puts it down on paper. And it was first put into a book form for a school. And it was... Um, a different title on it then and if I can find the title I didn't write it down but it was old that, that I will not be rejected from coming and later on when it was put into four different musical forms it was now changed to just as I am you see that's how we come to Jesus the way we are I don't have to sit in the church and act like I'm holy, act like I'm something that I'm not to come to Jesus. I can come to Jesus with all my sins, with all my baggage, with every problem I have. I can come to Jesus. 
I may be broken down in body. I may be broken down in spirit. But I can still come to Jesus. And that's what she realized. And that's what we've been saved from, you see. You don't have to get yourself ready before you get saved. I've witnessed to people and they say, Well, preacher, I'm not ready. I've got to change some things in my life before I can get saved. No, dear friend, you've got it wrong. Salvation changes those things in your life. And that's the blessing. We've been saved from corruption in this world. We've been saved from the selfishness of sin. Old self wants everything your way, doesn't it? But new self wants it the way of God. We've been saved from death and we've been saved from hell. You and I both were under death sentences before we were saved. It was as though you were in prison and you were on death row waiting for that death to come. And then as we think about this in closing today, you've been saved from condemnation. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Please turn with me. Very familiar passage. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, he doesn't stop there, though, does he? He goes on and he says, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God does not condemn me anymore. And once you get saved, you're not condemned either. Now, before you're saved, you are already, from the time that you're born to the time that you're saved, you're condemned. Whether it's 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 40 years, 70, 80, 90 years before you get saved, you're condemned. That means when you stand before God, you're condemned and He's going to say, Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I know you not. But if you're saved, that condemnation is gone. That's why it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, who walk not after the flesh. That means there's a change in our lives when we get saved. I'm not here on this earth for my pleasure. I'm not here on this earth for my glory. I'm here on this earth by the pleasure of my holy righteous God tonight and today and every day of this week and every day of this month and every day of this year and all those to come. I'm here at his pleasure to do his good will and that's exactly what all of us are here for now I know tomorrow you'll go to your jobs and different things that you have all throughout this week different events vacations and travel here travel there go this do that shop here shop there but listen dear friends as you're doing all those things remember this now you're doing these things at the pleasure of the will of God if you're saved and if you're not saved you're still doing it by the pleasure of the devil. And you're under his bondage. You're under his yoke. No wonder you feel so bad sometimes. And I believe that right now, God is, through his Holy Spirit, convicting some folks in the congregation. There's a great weight upon your heart. There's a great weight upon your thoughts. I didn't realize that, preacher. I didn't realize that it really meant that much to God. Well, it does. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. 
to die for you. You could not die for your own sins. Why? Because the law, remember a while ago, I said the law can't save you. And that's why you could not die for your own sins. Preacher, why couldn't I die and shed my blood for my sins? Because your blood is unrighteous, but Christ's blood is righteous for us. Never a sin did he ever commit. Never a sinful thought did he ever have. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Unsaved one, you stand condemned before God today. And saved person, you stand at the will of God and at the pleasure of Him. There's a song that says, O happy day that fixed my choice on Thee my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day when all my sins were washed away. And that's where we all are at today if we're saved. You should be happy because you're saved. There should be smiles upon your faces today. The troubles of life, the, the wages that the devil tries to bring against us are nothing because we can walk through life now as a saved person and smile and praise the Lord on a daily basis. God, I'm thank you thanking you for saving me. I'm thankful for what you've done. And I can do that now, whatever you will, for you. Because I know I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. When you get married, your family then is here for God. That's why it's important that you make sure your children are saved, that your wife is saved, that your husband is saved that your grandparents are saved, that your mom and dad is saved. Cousins and aunts and uncles and all those other ones that's once removed, you know. So important to make sure that they're saved. Because without salvation, dear friends, they will not join you in heaven. They'll live in a devil's hell for all eternity. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, thank you for your goodness today. Thank you, Father, that we've been saved from some evil, terrible things. And Father, it's hard even for us as human to fathom the, the great expanse that stands between heaven and hell. I think of the rich man who cried and begged to Father Abraham to just have a, a, a dip of water to tell his brethren about these things but no one could go there because of this great expanse. No one could fix the problem that he was in. And dear Lord, today there's no way that we can fix our problems without you today. And maybe we've been trying to do these things on our own like I did as a, as a young man. And Father, I learned that I cannot do it by myself. I had to have you. And I ask you, Lord, today to help these in our congregation. Lord, they've been trying to do it on their own. They're sin in their heart, and they know it's there. They know what they've done. They know what they've done wrong. And, Father, it's time that they come and repent of that and get those things right so they can live their life for you. Father, will you speak to them this day? 
Holy Spirit, will you work in them and help them to move? And Father, we'll give you glory and honor once again for your blessings. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask this prayer. Amen. Ask Sister Heather to come. Sister Crystal is here. They're going to sing and play a number for you. And when that piano begins to start playing, God's Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you in your heart. It's time for you to move. Get up. Don't wait. I stood in a few similar to these for over a year while God was convicting me about my sins. I told Sister Trudy this past week as we were talking about salvation and some things, I told her that I really truly believed that that was the last time God was ever going to give me a chance to be saved. I honestly believe that somehow God would have let me die that next week if I had not have been saved. That may be your last chance today. It may be your last chance to make sure you're going to heaven. You say, preacher, you're telling us these things to, to, to scare us. No, I'm not. I'm telling you these things to make you aware. Amen. This is real. Heaven and hell and the devil and Christ and God and the Holy Spirit are as real as I am standing here today. I'll take your hand in a few moments and shake your hand telling you thank you for coming to the house of God. Good to see you today. But listen, as much as when you take my hand, that hand is real and you can feel it, the same realness is what I'm telling you today about heaven and hell. And that same realness is what you've got to get right with God. Live your life for Him. And if you're a Christian today, this altar is open for you when they start singing to come and pray and say, Father, please forgive me. I did not mean to fail you. The Lord, I did. And I want that put under the blood. I want it fixed, Lord, so that I can feel right again. You see, there are sins in some of your lives right now that you've not confessed to God yet. You've said, I'm sorry, but you've not repented of those things. And you need to repent and get it right. How about it? If you stand as they sing. Enter while you may. Today is the day of salvation, friends. You've heard that for years. 
But today is also the day when you get right with God. When you make those things in your life right that you know you've done wrong. You say, preacher, I've prayed about it. Do you have peace about it? Has peace come into your heart because of those sins that you've prayed and asked God to forgive you of? If you don't have peace about it, dear friends, then I can promise you it's still there. And you need to put it before God. Put it under the blood. One more stanza we're going to sing for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a blessing. Uh, Sister Debbie, would you come forward? My, my Debbie. <laughs> I think there's a couple other Debbies here too. So. <laughs> well, we, uh, you know, we came here. Y'all voted us in in February of this year, and uh, we started really full time here in, in May. You know, we were here before that, back and forth and so forth getting things ready but we haven't joined the church yet amen and so uh i wonder what the pleasure of the church is that uh, we accept myself and and my wife as members of this church do we have a motion have a motion made do we have a second amen well all in favor of that let it be known by the uplifting of your right hand all opposed by like sign and if you do i'll run you out <laughs> I'm joking. I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, praise the Lord. And uh, I appreciate y'all. I love you very much. I, you know, a church, pastoring a church is a difficult job because there are so many things that we deal with on a daily basis. Sometimes you may think that we just get up here and preach on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and that's it. There's other things that we do so much. And my heart is always burdened, always burdened. But yet I'm happy. As while it's burdened, I'm also happy that God has burdened my heart because it's that burden that gives me that strength and that fire that we need. And so thank you all so much for accepting us into this family. Amen? Accepting us into this church. And we're thankful and glad and joyous to be here. So uh, God bless each one of you. Amen? Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, as we come now before your throne of grace, we are thankful again. Lord, thankful that we've had an opportunity to come and share your message, Lord. And Father, sometimes we, on this earth, sometimes as preachers we feel inadequate to share your special truth. But Lord, we tried to do it the best we could. And Lord, we ask now that you would help each and every person as we leave this building today. Lord, to honor you and to bless you. And Father, if there is sin still in their hearts that's not been repented of, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help them to get under conviction and, Lord, let that be done. Help us, Lord, to walk away from this place knowing that 
Lord, that we can hold our, our heads up high as children of God, not to be prideful, but, Father, to be thankful and honor you everywhere we go. These things we ask now in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.